It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Another practice session is in the books. I'm Paul Tatino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. Our phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. No, it's not, Paul. No, it that's not. not. 973-667-1960. That's our old number. <laughs> you know, folks, a lot has been going wrong this summer, but we will get this right. It's 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Indeed, we are back in the studio. John Schmelk is manning the controls. And uh, after many, many months of going through the pandemic and having to do things in a very different way, we are indeed back at the studio. So 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Hashtag Giants Chat if you prefer to get us on Twitter. And Mr. Fiegels, this afternoon's practice we're talking about temperatures that were in the high 60s under clear and sunny skies. I was mm. talking to David Deal earlier as we were preparing the uh, web show for the Inside Training Camp program. Uh, he could not remember having a mid-August training camp practice under such comfortable conditions. Yeah. Take advantage of it. I mean, it wasn't so cool the last couple of weeks. Um yeah, I mean, listen, I think that a lot of times guys come out very spirited when they know that the weather's going to be good, and then the coaches will throw some drill on you that just gets everybody crazy. You know, like, hey, guys, it's so nice out today. We're going to do this. And then they're like, wait a second, you know, but they got to get they got to get going. So it's nice. It's nice to be able to have it. I'll tell you what, it did feel. I was walking the dog this morning and uh, going outside and doing our walk. It, it's very pre-fall-like for today. It is really – it's getting there, which means there's games to be played soon. Well, nice. yet, yesterday yeah. was in the mid-70s, mm-hmm. and today another mild day, so two really dynamite days back-to-back. Which but is good. Even, well, you know what? David no, the, said, the guys need some recovery, man. I'm telling you. I, don't, I, I know that they're working hard out there and stuff like that, but it's, and it, 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 it happens. You, know, you need it. You do need the days that are hot, too, because you know why? You need, right. you need, that, you need that tempo when it's hot and guys just you know, get concentration and focus. I saw there was a little little fight the other day. That's what happens when it's hot. It's usually the linemen um, and concentration. And I read I read today that you know the GPS system. We haven't talked a lot about that because it's just been normal. Guy, you know, over the years now they were using it. But I guess Coach Judge uh, had said, "Hey, listen, you know, from the data, we gotta we gotta take it easy on some of these guys because they're really their workload is the GPS system that they have in their shoulder pads. You know, so that's important. The weather plays a big part of that, Paul." They did full uh, padded practices on Monday and Tuesday. Yesterday was a one-hour walkthrough because he did want to lighten things up on mm-hmm. them. In fact, going back to Tuesday night, uh, that was a nighttime practice. Again, Joe Judge is saying that he wants to make sure that he schedule these, schedules these things to try to give the players' bodies some type of break, some type of respite, even if it's only a few hours, uh, because he's trying to get the best out of them. So so yesterday was a one-hour walkthrough. It was 1.30. It was later on after lunch. Usually they practice early in the morning before 10 o'clock. And then today was back to the regular practice schedule, and it was a thud practice. Now, tomorrow... Tomorrow, Jeff, is a scrimmage, the first of what we believe will be four scrimmages that the Giants will have where they're going to go blue on white, offense against defense, non-scripted. Uh, coaches, the coordinators in particular, will call the offense, call the defense, be put in certain game situations, and as the players have said, we're just going to play free, let it fly, and the coaches are going to be able to go through the game day experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exciting. As as a player, you get really excited about this stuff, and because there, there is no preseason games, this is going to be your four preseason, four scrimmages, four preseasons, right? Kind of goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is as a player, um, you get excited about it because you're constantly out there in controlled environment. 
Um, although they did have live tackling drills the other day for the first time, I think, and since we've talked about this in a long, 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 long time. But the fact that, you know, you go out on that field and, and you get excited about playing and not and you don't have to hear, you know, guys stopping the drill and coaching you and doing this. This is the first part of the evaluation uh, process, and it's going to be fun to watch. And the guys are got to be excited about it. They really are. Well, one of the guys who's really excited to be here is veteran kicker Graham Gano comes over as a free agent uh, from the Panthers. Remember, did not kick last year because he was rehabbing from a fractured femur suffered at the end of the 2018 season. Now, Gano wound up going six for six on his field goals today. The bottom line, though, is that he has proven to himself that he has successfully rehabbed off the injury. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I had surgery up here in New York um, at HSS with the best doctor that, that does, you know, what I had done, uh, Riley Williams. And I feel like my leg is better than it's ever been. And I feel strong. Um, I'm just going to keep getting better and better. And uh, yeah, I feel really good. As far as missing time and, and all that, I mean, that's just, that's part of the game. You know, sometimes things happen that are out of your control. And and really, you can only control what you can. And uh, my mindset was just I'm going to keep, you know, getting better at what I can do and and just move forward. Um, I feel like you always have to have a positive mindset. And so, you know, sometimes life's going to throw things at you that are that are going to be tough, but it's, it's how you respond to it is, is what matters. Yeah. Jeff, I know you pay detailed attention to special teams. So just to recap Gano briefly, this is a guy who kicked for several years with the Washington Redskins before going to Carolina, was there under Thomas McGahee, the Giants special teams coordinator now, also was the kicker of choice when Dave Gettleman was the Panthers GM. Over his career, he's had a strong leg, great on kickoffs, uh, 83% plus for his career field goal percentage, and obviously everybody remembers the 63-yarder that uh, beat the Giants a game-ender in 2018 before he had suffered that injury. In fact, asked about it today, he said he doesn't bring it up around here because he didn't <laughs> think that was a good idea. Uh, your Smart. thoughts, though, on Gano as a kicker? Well, I think 83% is, you know, is, is okay. Um, I think he needs to improve on that over his career going forward. I'll tell you one thing that'll happen. Um, very similar to in 2005, 2006 with me when I semi-retired and went back to Arizona to get knee surgery and find some things that were happening with my health and my, and my knee. Um, you get after surgery um, and rehab, you get stronger. You really do. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're out there working your butt off because you're rehabbing. Um, and the next thing you know, you're going out there and you're like, wow, this is, this is, I guess this is what, you know, happens when you're really dedicated on what you're doing and rehabbing and getting stronger in certain aspects of, of what you do. So I, I can tell you this, you know, he, you could tell from the tone of his voice that he's, he's excited to where he's at. He's excited to have a job. And I will tell you, it's a definitely an upgrade, um, from what they had. And I, I feel like he just has a good attitude. Um, you know, you have two veterans that are a snapper and a holder who, you know, Riley Dixon is the holder who's the punter. You got a nice established core of three guys there. And you know that the snap, the hold and the kick, that's the trio that you need. Right. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I think it's important that those guys, uh, work as much as they can together. Casey Kreider, the, uh, former Pro Bowl snapper coming over again as a free agent during the offseason from the Denver Broncos. Uh, they've operated now for two days, and Gano said that the operation has been very, very smooth. He was actually surprised by it and excited about it at the same time. Uh, said that he had kicked many times in the Northeast, including at MetLife Stadium. Didn't mm -hmm. think that would be a problem. Uh, he's good friends with Lawrence Tynes. They've talked about that. The, the thing about Gano. And I'm curious, you, you said that the stronger leg development after an injury can help a guy. Mm -hmm. Now, the injury was to his left leg, which is his plant leg. Mm -hmm. Is that even more beneficial than if it had been his kicking leg? Um, I, I Actually, I think, you know, I don't think that there is any benefit to either one. I think that when you do rehab from injuries, you have to do just as much to the right as to you do the left. Because if you, if you pay attention more to one side... Um, it can be very detrimental. You know, you create atrophy on one side, and if you don't work the other one just as much, it's not going to be equal. Does that make sense? I, so you got to be sure. You know, you're doing it. You're doing everything, but you know, everything that you're doing with your legs, you're strengthening. So the machine work you're doing, the running, the agility drills, the flexibility, all that stuff, 
Um, I feel like it, it's probably better that he had it on his plant leg than he did on his kicking leg. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I listen, I, either, either leg is going to, you're going to have to work it. But I think mentally for kickers and punters and guys like that, that coming off surgery and coming off an injury, um, the day that you are able to start kicking again is when you can really understand where all of that work paid off. And all of a sudden you can kind of see how you, your legs have gotten stronger. And uh, I tell you, you know, if, if I, when I came back in 06 um, to play and played another three years, six, seven, eight, nine, four years, um, listen, I, it, it, I, the reason I came back was because I felt that I, I was stronger and that I could do it. And it helped. I went to another Pro Bowl. So mm-hmm. I, I think that Graham Gano is a guy that I feel like he's a veteran. Um, he has history with the people that are here. And I think it's a great pickup. I think it's a great place to start. And, of course, Joe Judge knows him uh, from studying him all the years that he was a special teams coach. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We have four lines open. So, folks, get on the line. Dial us up. We'll get to you as soon as we can. I want to go call heavy on this program. 201-939-4513. One more comment about Gano. I don't want to go overkill on this, but I think it's important. Because he didn't kick at all last year in any game situations, Mm -hmm. psychologically, the Giants are having a scrimmage tomorrow. I'm sure that they will purposely make sure he gets some kicks or place kicks in this scrimmage. But psychologically, how much of a hurdle does he have to get over after rehabbing and being out for so long? You know, when when September 14th comes... He's in a real game against the Steelers, and they will need him to make his kicks. Sure. I I think you want to create as much um, anxiety, if you will, at practice, um, you know, in front of your teammates and, you know, try to get that. But listen, he's a veteran, so it's kind of like riding a bike. Um, I think physically, if you're there and you're able to kick, I think mentally is where you have to kind of get back. And I think a change of scenery sometimes can – can uh, default the little guys like that. I mean, sometimes you just got to get back in a routine. You know, you, this is a new area. Um, it's a new team. You got to kind of pick up your new routines and stuff. But I think that Joe Judge is going to create some, you know, situational stuff for him. But remember, if there's no, if there's no bunny in the, in the stands at the games, um, I think that'll help him. But, you know, not that it's really going to matter because I, he's a, he's a veteran. He's kicked in many game situations before. And I think that he, he'll just be fine. Well, again, understanding that the Giants are trying to be an improving team, Mm -hmm. uh, they cannot leave points on the board. And that's why I spend so much time on Graham Gano because he scores points. And that's going to be very critical for this team, especially as we've talked. Joe Judge wants to win on special teams Mm -hmm. every single weekend. And so Gano is going to be a heavy, heavy factor in how the Giants' one-loss record, I think, comes out at the end of the season. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Lines are open, and Charlie from Maine is on line number three. He's first up. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Jeff. Hi. Well, we're having some trouble there with Charlie's line. I heard him chuckle, but the rest of his call was breaking up. Charlie, you want to try it again? Come out of the forest. Sure. Get in the house. <laughs> I'm in the house. Can you okay. hear me now? Yeah. You... What's that? Okay. What's that? He's an interior decorator? No, that's a line from The Sopranos. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to uh, just talk about it a little bit. Now that Coor is on the IR. Cody Core, yeah, he uh, tore his Achilles. Yeah, yeah. You think uh, this guy that we just picked up, Board, is his name Board? C.J. Board, Board, a receiver who had a cup of coffee with Jacksonville. And by the way, he has caught everything they've thrown to him since he got here. I know. Do you think he's a special team guy, though? Do you think he can be the gunner? I have no idea, Charlie. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. But, you know, typically it – you know, they're going to require someone like that. You know, obviously I, he's probably he's not going to be a starter. So you, if you're going to end, earn a spot on this roster, Charlie, he's going to have to play special teams. So we'll see sooner or later. be interesting to see where they line him up because the way the scrimmages go, and I don't know how this is going to work tomorrow. I'm just going from past experience when we have um, scrimmages. They'll do a special teams period, and they'll usually start with punt and punt rush. And so they will have live coverage. So we'll see where he lines up. That's how they usually start the scrimmages. It's usually with the special teams. Yeah, because I would love to see 
that extra guy, the extra wide receiver, actually be a really good receiver who can actually catch the ball and also be a you know special teams guy. That somebody that if somebody goes down, you can actually put him in there, and the guy's going to make plays for you. Mm-hmm. And it looks like this guy right now is doing that. He, like you said, Paul, he's catching everything. He looks really good out of his breaks. What I've seen. And, you know, he's not a burner, but he's that third-down guy that can get you those first downs. So hopefully uh, he'll, he'll work out. And that, um, okay, I'm sure Mac and, Victor, and Mac and Victor and all those guys. And, uh, hey, you know, um, I mean, I think they're getting a little uh, hard on Judge. I mean, I've been hard on him about the laps, but about his practices, I have a problem with that. I think what he's doing is good. Uh, the lap thing, what I would do, Paul, just like you said, Take them. Take the person out of the out of the you know, you know. Put in your competition. Put in his competition. The guy who wants to take his roster spot. Mm-hmm. Let him watch and teach him on the sideline what he's been doing wrong. And I think that's punishment enough. If you let somebody else take his reps, I think the guy will get the message instead of running laps. So oh, I've seen many of coaches do that, and and Bill Parcells was a real good one at rotating guys out. Hey, man, if you didn't do it right, you were sitting beside me for a couple of reps. No doubt, Charlie. Thank you so much for the call. Thanks, Charlie. 201-939-4513. Before we get to the next line, Charlie did bring up a good point about Joe Judge, who tells everybody that he's really active at practice, and that's by design because he likes to stick his nose in there. To me, it's just having daily contact with every player. I think it's very important. And I've always been like that, whether I was, you know, the low man on the totem pole or now my position you know, where I'm overseeing everything. To me, it's important to have daily connections with every player in your roster. It's important that they know that you know them on a personal level and you care about them. Now, look, depending on what happened that day, sometimes you're, you know, giving them a reminder on a certain technique or scheme. Sometimes you're just checking on how they're doing personally, and sometimes you're talking a little smack to them so you can get a little bit of juice in them. So it's different for every player every day, but we got a fun group. They're fun to float around with. You know, there's certain guys on the team, you know, Colt McCoy, Zeitler, some of the older guys, Golden. They like to mix it up a little bit right there, have a little bit of fun. Sometimes the rookies, they don't understand that sarcasm early in practice just yet, but they'll get it. Joe Judge is very excitable. He is very intense. He is very loud. We get that every (laughs) single time the Giants hit the practice field. And Xavier McKinney, the rookie safety out of Alabama, says he sees a lot of Nick Saban in Judge's style. It's very similar. Um, Basically, uh, like when I kind of figured out and, and when he kind of discussed, uh, you know, some of his rules and, and how he wanted things to be um, handled and how he wanted um, us to be as a team, uh, you know, it was almost like a mirror version of, of how it was at Bama for me. So um, it was as, as far as that, it was an easy adjustment for me uh, just because I've already, uh, you know, been in um, this type of uh, system. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that hard of a transition. You know, we have heard so much about what Joe Judge was going to bring to the table, especially considering the backgrounds that he's got with both Saban and Belichick. But until they actually started to hit the practice field and go through real practice sessions, mm-hmm. Jeff, we didn't know till you saw it. You know, you, mm-hmm. could, you could talk all you want. It's all talk until you see the action. Well, guess what? Joe Judge is the real deal, and I think the Giants as an organization are thrilled to have him. Well, the thing that I see in Joe Judge, you know, and we all know this, being a special teams coach, you have interaction with the whole team you, on a daily basis because you have all of those units that you deal with, the punt return unit, the kickoff return unit, the kickoff, the, the field goal team, the punt team, punt return, you know what I'm saying? So he, he has a interaction with all of those guys on a daily basis on and off the field, in the meeting rooms and on the field. So that's never going to leave him. He's so used to having that type of communication with the players. Well, now being a head coach, it gets a little bit more involved in things, but the fact is he's still going to want to have that type of, of interaction with his guys. And I feel like that – you know, this team is young, but has does have some veterans. And I think he's been around enough to know that how you treat one guy isn't the, the way you treat another. So the rookies, he's having probably having conversations with them on the field. I've heard this before. Hey, how's your mom? How's your dad? How's everything going at home? Because you know what? A lot of these guys aren't used to being away from home. They're a little bit scared. They're a little bit afraid of what's happening. So he's trying to get a beat on them. You know, did they have those, that, you know, those, those, 
you know, de- what do you call it? Deer in the headlight looks when you talk to him. Hello, is anybody there? You know, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. got to figure those people out. Now, the other thing about the Saban deal is this and the Belichick is that he's just doing things that he's been taught that's been successful. There's nothing wrong with that. I know he wants to bring his own type of coaching philosophy, if you will, to the Giants. But he's going to use some of those things that he took from Saban and from Belichick that he knows is going to be successful. And he's going to implement those into what he's doing. Yeah, Paul, I'm sorry, Jeff. I want to throw one of the things in your tubes. I Mm -hmm. think one of the reasons this cut was important is a lot of people are are trying to make the point that they think Joe Judge is trying to be some, like, super tough, authoritarian, all the players are going to hate him guy. But I know, Paul, you can talk about this with with this Parcells. You know, you can be very hard on these players and make them run and be disciplined. But if you show them you care and you talk to them and and you treat them like humans— yeah. then that's that's not going to be the reaction. So I thought it was important to, to make people understand that this is not just drill sergeant, you know, killing these guys 24 hours a day. He's trying to make a connection with these guys individually, which allows you to coach them, Jeff, a little bit harder, right? Well, and, and listen, what Parcells and what, um, you know, guys like even Tom Coughlin, okay, Nick Saban's been around a long time. Um, if – Bill Parcells was still coaching in the NFL today. He couldn't coach the way he used to coach. There's no, no way. There's and no the, way. The and fact he knows of the matter too. is, is that number one, these are what we call millennials, right? These guys are used to being uh, how things that you know this is how they're treated, how they've been taught, they've brought up, how they've been coached in college. You bring that tough mentality, like John said, and you don't have a soft side to you, they'll turn on you very quickly. So he's trying to understand, and each one of those guys are different. Some guys love to be coddled, and we know those types. We've seen them. We love those guys that love to just, you know, hey, you did really good today, Johnny. Man, boy, did you play well today. Did I really? Yeah, you did great. Thank you. And then there's the other guys where you say that to him, and he'll be like, no, I didn't. I didn't play good today. I stunk today, you know, mm-hmm. and, or you can be harder on that type of guy. So a lot of different personalities. you got to kind of be a psychologist at times. That's why Jimmy Johnson was so good. He was so good at that, at knowing each one of his players and how to push the right buttons. Well, the two things to understand about Judge that relate directly to what both of you just said is that, number one, he wants to make sure that every player is taught exactly why they're doing things. And and because that he's got teachers on his staff and they can make the players understand the method to his madness – he, he says, you know, even the laps, the penalty laps that he gives the players when they make a mental mistake and have to run a lap around the field, he says, hey, it's not so much about a punishment. It's about to draw attention to the fact that we need to make sure we are very detailed in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And even Xavier McKinney, and I, I didn't ask John to pull this cut, but he said today he had no problem with any of this stuff, with the physical practices. You know, they, they're doing some nasty physical drills where they're really cracking shoulder pads and tackling each other. And even McKinney said, no, it's fine. We love it because we understand that it's the way the team will get better and we will win. It's to our benefit. And as long as you take the time to show the players that, A, you care, and, B, you have a legitimate plan and there's a method to this madness, they are more likely to buy into it. Having Mm -hmm. said that, let's go back to the calls. 201-939-4513. Lines are open. Bob from New Jersey, you're next on the show. Uh, Hi, guys. Hey, uh, first off, I want to thank you. Just like I said to John, thank you for continuing broadcasting through this craziness. Appreciate it. Pandemic. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the things the, uh, I wanted to tell you about was, you know, Gano's uh, field goal percentage of eighty three, uh, um, that Jeff said was, you know, it's okay. It was dragged down by, I mean, so many over fifty yard kicks where he's kicking like fifty three percent. So that uh, goes. I'd like to see. I'd like to see. I, and I agree with you there, so because it's just like you know numbers, you got to kind of study him a little bit. Well, he's twenty of right. thirty-five from fifty or longer, okay, right. in his career. Twenty of thirty-five, and and right. by the way, uh, for fifty or longer, uh, that's well over fifty percent, and I think most NFL kickers would be happy with that. Sure, yeah, sure. And, and, and the fact but that, they, that they're right, even right trying fifty-yard field goals with him is good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, Dallas has uh, announced that they're going to have fans at their games. Do you think that that's going to be a, a critical advantage for them over teams that are not going to have home 
uh, field fans? Well, I listen. I, I, I anytime I think you have a you're in an away game and there's there's away fan there's fans there. I think it's it is an advantage to the to the home team, whether there's only going to yeah. be twenty thousand or ten or whatever. But yeah, I mean it has somewhat of a small advantage, but not a not like if there was a hundred thousand people in there. Now, Paul, I didn't read about this in detail. I, I read somewhere that maybe they were just going to put people in suites because that'll allow them to socially distance a little bit more. And the that building has is so many suites that so I'm not sure you might actually have many people in the bowl per mm-hmm. se. I think mm-hmm. most of them might be in suites. Yeah. And something else that I've also heard speculated now idea. for quite a long time is that any fans that were in the building, yes, they could be in suites, but the other thing is they will definitely not be in the lower bowl. I, I, I had been told that the league was going to allow some fans, if if they could clear everything, in only the second and third decks, they would not let them be in the lower bowl. Hmm. But again, a lot of this is fluid. It can change in an hour. Yeah. So, oh, sure. I mean, I don't really sure. want to spend a ton of time on it until we know exactly what the rules are going to be. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate thank the phone call. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The other 201. One, Paul, Go ahead. Paul, did, I don't know. You, when you were bringing up Gano's statistics, I, you know. The, 82%, the, by the way. I gave him an extra percentage point. I was just trying to be nice. The number that I <laughs> want to see is where, you know, where he is between, like, 45 yards and under. You know what his numbers are in there. I mean, if he's in, he should be in the 90s when it comes to that. Um, and then after that, you know, obviously the numbers start to drop off a little bit. But you know, if you're a, if you're a professional kicker, you should be. Your goal is to be 100% inside 40. Not everybody is, but you can be pretty close to that. And then as you start moving past the 40 out to the 45, the numbers start to go down a little bit. But a good kicker who will be around a long time is going to be in the you know he's going to be in those in the high high 80s or low 90s in those that range that I told you. Okay, well I just subtracted his field goal attempts from 50 plus. Okay. And after and after taking those out, he is at 85.7%. Okay, but from still, inside of 50 yards. Inside of 50, but you'd be surprised if you took away those those 45 and and, and north of that. Yeah, but 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 they don't keep that. I, well, I'm just saying, no, the it's a little exercise may, but... you're going to have to do. <laughs> no, I hear you, Jeff. Yeah. They just don't keep that on, on the official NFL stats. Sure. They go by 10, as you know. Okay. So 80, just rounding it off, 86% uh, under 50 yards for Graham okay. Gano field goal percentage. The high 80s, like I said, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's – and I, I, the more – the thing that I, I like about Gano is that um, he's had a year off. He's gotten stronger. He had an injury. It wasn't like, you know, he broke his hip kind of thing, and it's going to, you know, it, he's going to be fine. And I think that uh, Joe Judge wanted a veteran in this case because of what we talked about before. This guy, these guys, if they're going to be in some games, they got to score points. they got to score points, and he's going to be a very integral part of this team by kicking field goals. If they can't get in the end zone, they gotta, they got to come up with ways to score. And you know he's a veteran, and I think he'll be fine. It's not hard to kick in, in the new stadium, by the way. Although it's not, it's ten years old, but it's not that difficult to punt and kick in MetLife Stadium as it was in the MetLife. You know, Paul. One interesting thing I'm looking at Gano's breakdown here, and Jeff, mm-hmm. I think you might find this of interest. So from thirty to thirty-nine, he's fifty-six of sixty-nine. Right, that's eighty-one percent. Mm-hmm. You want that wow. to be better, but yeah. Yeah. but if you take out the first three years of his career in Washington, he was nine of sixteen. Right. So if you take those out, since 2012 when he joined the Panthers, he's been 47 for 53, which yeah. is very strong. There you go. So, so I think if you take out some of those early years, the numbers do get a lot better from some of those shorter distances. Just for an example, in his last f- four years, I'll do real quick in Carolina, he only missed six kicks between 40 or 49 yards, and that's on 47 attempts. So in, in his recent career, his accuracy numbers are much better than his overall numbers. Well, so you have to Both remember something. When well, he first came into the NFL, he was regarded as a kickoff specialist. Yeah. And he joined the Ravens when he first came out of school out of Florida State. And he was only supposed to be a kickoff guy. Much like, remember, years and I know you know this, Jeff, Brad DeLuiso, mm-hmm. who the Giants had grabbed from the Denver Broncos when Dan Reeves got here. And he was supposed to be a kickoff specialist and a long-range 50-plus yard field goal guy. Well, of course, as time evolved, he became the place kicker. Same thing happened to Gano. He was a kickoff specialist with the Ravens initially, didn't actually make the active roster, then went to that UFL 
United Football League and kicked for Las Vegas. I think that was Jim Fossil's team, if I'm not mistaken. And then when he came back to the NFL following those two stops, the Redskins brought him in for a few games, and, and he started to become a real place kicker. So his journey to getting to this point is, is kind of interesting. Well, listen to this. <clears throat> you guys both know this because you both have been there. That field down in Washington is the worst field to kick on. It's Next, a mud pie. It is a sand pit, yep. right? And it's, so when you look at those three years that he was down there, it doesn't surprise me about those numbers you brought up, John. And then all of a sudden he gets out of there and goes to where is was termed as probably a, a real NFL football field. Isn't Carolina and, one of the top three fields? Oh, it's beautiful there. Right? Oh, my it's goodness. It's gorgeous. It's like a putting green. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I love that field. So you can see why things got better as he, he kind of, you know, got a little bit of established in the league. But, you know, he had troubles down there like everybody does. Everybody has problems down there. A horrible place to kick. Absolutely Our number horrible. is 201-939-4513. We go to line three. Dan from the Poconos is next on the show. Hello. Hey, fellas. How are you? Good. How Hi. are you doing, Ed? I'm doing, doing great, man. It's always a pleasure listening to the show. I haven't called you guys in a while, but I, as usual, I very rarely ever miss a show. Uh, the... Uh, I'll try not to be too much of a bummer here, but I'll tell you, this, this COVID thing is really... I mean, I'm, I've been a season ticket holder and a Giants fan, and my whole family, like, I'm older than dirt, you know? I'm older than you guys. And and it's like, it's basically, I mean, I've been married for about 6,000 years. and um, like Don't tell your wife that, okay, please? Because <laughs> you may not make it till right? tomorrow. <laughs> oh, forget it. My wife's Sicilian. I already got to sleep with one eye open. She's going to kill me in my sleep one of these days. <laughs> Watch out for the horse's head. And let me tell you, she's just as much of a diehard as I am, too. And, and we knew that date when it came around, uh, that first, that uh, John was teasing you, Paul, because you knew the date, the first, uh, when, when our first preseason game was supposed to be and all that. And, and it's just, uh, but you know, the thing I, I, you know, rather than just talk, and, and the guy, you guys kind of answered my question, because like everything I guess you said is so fluid, we just don't know if they're going to let us in there or not, because that's what I'm really... You know, I'm watching your show that you do at the stadium, training camp show, Paul, and, and I'm trying to be bringing as much normalcy to my, to my life, you know, like everybody else, too. And it's just like, but then I remember, I'm like, wait a minute, I can't go. I'm not going to be there. I'm like, I can't deal with this. And, and the crowd noise, I mean, gonna, I'd rather hear nothing than that crowd noise pumped in. It, it's almost like we're in high school. I mean, come on. I, I'm just not a fan of that stuff. <laughs> Well, Dan, I, I, I understand your perspective, and I'm sure that there are people who feel both ways on that one. Yeah, like everything else, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just, just going to hang in there, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get my butt in that seat. What, what is what your wife's name? I mean, Marianne. Marianne, do me a favor. If you're listening to the program, and if you're a diehard fan, you just might be, please take it easy on Dan this season. He's going to be stressed out a lot. There may be some pillows being thrown in the living room during the course of the season and during these games. So try to be nice to him. Make sure the sauce is hot and the pasta is good. Oh, forget it. Jeff, Thanks, Dan. I called, you last, I called you last summer. I was painting on that roof, and my wife my wife canceled Christmas. Remember when the, 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 Vic, the Victor Cruz came? The Victor Cruz, we were against the Jets, right? He came. That's when he came yeah. out, and it was Christmas Eve, that game. And she's Sicilian, everything, forget about it. And on Christmas Eve, you know, it's a whole, it goes on forever. Thank and, you, and Dan. We, we appreciate it. Please be well <laughs> and try to enjoy the season as best as you can. Uh, it's always good to hear from passionate fans. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Jeff, it takes all kinds, that's for sure. And uh, I can appreciate what yeah, he's going through. Well, the frustration is out there for everyone, and including us. I mean, it's not... You know, we're trying to, it's day by day, the guys like John and the guys, all the people working down at the facility, it's, it's, and you included are just, it's day to day. So just hang in there, do the best you can. We know that there's football coming, um, and it'll be here soon enough. So just uh, hold tight, hold tight. We have some open lines at 201-939-4513. Hugo from New Jersey is on line number one. Hello. Oh, how are you doing, guys? Uh, I really uh, want to talk about the center position, the offensive line, and the prospects for the running game, really the topics that are 
top of mind. But, you know, with this stuff that's gone on in the offseason with Baker and, and Rosas and, and, and Paul, on one show you, were, you talked about a former uh, conversion center, Kevin Belcher, whose mm-hmm. career came, came tragically to an end. A traffic I, I accident know. actually broke his leg and, and really derailed yeah. something that could have been pretty good. He had potential. Uh, he, he looked yeah, he looked like he was going to be a terrific player. And it got me thinking. It's like, I don't know if it's just me because I pay more attention to the Giants, but this, this, you know, these off-the-field incidents and tragedies have just seemed to uh, have affected our franchise uh, more. I go all the way back to Troy Archer. Another guy died, mm-hmm. died in an auto accident. That was a Jeep pick. accident in Gutenberg, well, New Jersey. And, Paul, by the way, you had the LSU safety, right? I, I, uh, and his name escapes me, but Jones, around 2012, LSU, right? Yeah. Correct. Well, Jones, I forget his name. LSU. Plaxico, uh, JPP blowing up his hand. I mean, <laughs> these are these are bizarre things. I mean, I think of Jerome Brown and Derek Thomas as two prominent guys, right? Had, had off uh, tragic. Chad events. Jones was the LSU guy. Chad Jones, Chad yeah. Jones, safe third round pick from LSU. Third round yep. pick in 2010, I believe. Well, look, whether it's off the field in situations which has, has derailed guys' careers, the Giants have also had a number of important players in the last decade or so get injured on the field. And, oh, you know, sure. I mean, look look what injuries did to Steve Smith, uh, Hakeem Nix, Victor Wilson. Cruz. How about David Wilson, Kenny David Phillips? Wilson, Kenny Phillips. Terrell Thomas. Keep going. You know, yeah, TNT, Terrell yeah. Thomas. I mean, just go through the list. It's ridiculous how many guys that they've yeah. gotten derailed. Yeah, and I don't have any statistics on it, but just uh, subjectively, right, it seems like these off-the-field things, you know, Fireworks incident. I mean, you know, JPP. You're right. I mean, these things are ridiculous. I don't see that in in the press for other teams. I really don't. Jeff, could you give us something nice to talk about? Because this is really making me down right now. (laughs) No, 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 no. And and the previous. And and by the way, the previous call was trip, right? So (laughs) maybe I'm just taking it down a notch because it's funny. Um, No, the reason. Look, I've been watching the videos you guys post, and one thing I noticed and maybe I'm reading too much into it, is that 65 is the center with Nick the first Gates. team. And that's, Nick Gates is the, is the center, it seems, with the first team. They've been rotating that. Guards. He's getting are, are an opportunity rotating? to compete with Spencer Pulley. They've both had a number of first-team snaps over the course of the early time here in training camp, and I think it's very clear that they are going to be in quite a battle right up until week one. And the reason I asked the question is uh, I reflected back to last year, and I thought we were really going to have a, a power running game. And I based that on the fact that, you know, we got Seitler in the offseason. Hernandez was supposed to be a, a road grader, and they went with Jalapio at center. He's more of like a boxcar type. I thought that, that's it. You know, they're going with Jalapio because they want to establish a power running game. And it didn't work out that way. And I was, I was very disappointed, and, and I know – Barkley was injured, but, but I don't know what the PFF statistics say, but I, I'm pretty sure they say he was the guy, he was hit behind the line of scrimmage or had the least amount of space or however they quantify it. So I was very disappointed in that, and I think about, you know, what Jason Garrett may want to do and establish a running game, and, and I think that's fine. That's a good strategy. We certainly have the back for it, but we don't have, you know, Martin and Fredericks and Smith and Lyle Collins. We don't have those guys. So, no. you know, the best laid no. plans, they may just blow up because the personnel may not be good. Right? Well, they have and, tried and to rebuild. They've tried to rebuild yeah. the talent on that line, and bringing in Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach from the Cowboys, should instill that philosophy and that mentality, which can help the improved talent get to at least something similar to that level. At least that's the plan, Hugo. We're going to let you go because we have more callers on the line, and I want to make it a call-centered show at 201-939-4513. Jeff is on line two. You're next on the show. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hey, fellas. How you doing today? Hi. Good. That's good to hear. Um, I was just wondering uh, if you, uh, you there and uh, members of the media, are you all able to uh, go to the uh, practices? Are you allowed on the field as usual? No. 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 We have to stay on the patio if it's on fields one or two. If the practice okay. is on field three, the media has to stand outside the fence in the back corner of the parking lot. 
it's uh, it's different. We don't have the vantage points that we used to have during the yeah, course of okay. training camp, and those are because of the NFL protocols that have been installed right. in cooperation with the NFLPA. So it's nobody's fault. This is just the circumstances we have to deal with, which means we can't always see the kind of stuff that we usually were able to see because in many cases we're screened out or because the particular thing that we're trying to look at is so far away and in such a bad angle, we can't make yeah. heads or tails out of it. Yeah, that's too bad. I, it sounds like you are a great distance away because uh, I wasn't sure what the case was, but I, I wanted to ask you uh, how uh, Ryan Connolly was moving around, but uh, I guess I, I won't He's get moved around well. Question. No, well, we could see that. He's moved around well coming off the knee surgery. Oh, okay. no, not, not an issue. He looks pretty good. Okay. In fact, I okay. think you're probably pretty happy with the way he's moving. I mean, I, a lot of people probably didn't expect him to be doing what he's doing. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I'm pleased to hear that. So maybe he can come back at 100%. So, Okay, thank you for your time. Talk you're to welcome. Thank, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, 201-939-4513. Lines are open as we try to squeeze in some more calls during the final 20 minutes or so of the program. Getting back to Joe Judge, and I think this is important because we've talked about his coaching style enough, but Jeff, I think there's another part to what makes him uh, so, so Saban and Belichick-like, and that is he doesn't care about names on the backs of the jerseys. In fact, he doesn't even want the names on the backs of the jerseys. They have been torn off during the course of this summer camp. Judge looks at every player individually and wants to give everybody a, an equal opportunity to try to make his team. And that includes the undrafted rookie free agents who most people may think are long shots. Judge says everybody gets a chance. Well, Paul, I can just tell you on the back end of that question, uh, I can't speak for 31 other clubs. I just know we have a high value for anybody who comes in every day and produces. And that's what we're looking for. It's production business. We're looking for guys who improve on a daily basis, guys who fit what we're trying to do, both culture-wise and schematic-wise. So I don't care where you're drafted, undrafted, where you came from, rookie, vet. That really doesn't matter. It truly doesn't. At the end of the day, we're going to put the best 11 on the field. And while on the outside, that seems tough to believe at times, you know, you've got to imagine at the end of the day, I've got to look. 53 guys in the eye and I've got to tell them I gave them all the best chance to be successful and you can't lie to those guys in the locker room those players know who the best players are they line up and compete against them so if you force somebody in just because of maybe where they were drafted or how much you signed them for you got 52 other guys staring at you knowing you're lying to them but you're not giving them the best chance right there so you know you can say a lot of fluff around here and there but you got to be honest with your team and those guys know better than anybody else who the best players in the locker room now, I'll say a couple of things here. Number one, Joe Judge is coming in as a first-year head coach, and the Giants are giving him every opportunity to create his program. So a lot of people might say, well, that's a lot of talk. It's a lot of fluff. And, of course, the personnel department and the front office is going to tinker a lot with those decisions. Well, you know what? I'm not so sure that's the case because Judge right now is being um, ordered to turn this thing around. And to do that, he's going to have to be given a heavy hammer. That's number one. Number two, because he has always made it a policy to know everybody on the roster and every single unit and every single position, he is going to have a significant and important and educated evaluation on all of the guys who are on that practice field. And number three, and this is as important as anything, because Joe Judge is active and does make the rounds during practice. He doesn't focus on one unit or another. He's always around looking at everybody. He tells us that by the end of practice, he wants to make sure that he has taken a look at every single player every single day. I truly believe in his heart of hearts, he's telling you the truth, and I really think that any of the, the underdogs who are trying to make this team, Jeff, have a legitimate chance to make it because the Giants also as an organization are known to have two or three or even four undrafted rookie free agents make it to their roster. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just the other day um, he had 11 on 11 on two different fields. And the reason is that, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, you're getting twice as many reps for guys that usually are sitting behind the offense or behind the defense and watching the guys play in front of them mm -hmm. and very and very rarely getting those types of reps. So 
And the thing about being a younger player, you got to appreciate the opportunity, number one, that he's given you. Um, and number two, you got to take advantage of that opportunity in such a short time from an evaluation process because there isn't a lot of time before uh, they put the real pads on and go to work. And that's in three weeks, okay, 26 days from today. Those guys are going to be teeing it up. So if you're a young guy and you're only getting a certain amount of reps, you better make you better make darn sure that you're getting that you're not making those mental mistakes that he's that he frowns upon. You got to make sure that you're making plays, okay, and you're doing what the things that you're supposed to be doing because then you're going to get a chance. Now these scrimmages are going to be a huge, huge part of that. And so if you're a young guy and you're going to get an opportunity, you got to do the best you can in an un on a totally different set of, uh, uh, I guess, with scenarios here. We're, there's no preseason games. No. There's, there, so there's not a time, there's no really time to shine other than when you get in there now for these scrimmages. So I will tell you that I believe him. I think he's going to try to give those guys as much as, of a chance that he can. But at some juncture, that's going to be held back a little bit, Paul, because they've got to get ready to play the Pittsburgh Steelers here in three weeks. And so, you know, it's, it's coming around. And so that timeline that those younger guys are getting in, it's going to diminish a little bit. So if I'm a young guy, I am studying my butt off. I'm wait, I cannot wait to get into that scrimmage. And when the time is right, i got to perform. And, it, you know, like you said, it might be an older veteran that's here. You know, you got a lot of opportunity this year with that practice squad. Some of those veterans can be on that practice squad this year. which Up to which, six. It's unbelievable how much that 16, helps your roster. Of the 16-member practice squad, up to six can have any amount of veteran experience. That quite, is crucial. Quite, it really is. And, Jeff, let's, let's not kid ourselves. That's why every one of these guys who was in camp actually has even bigger of an opportunity to make it stick. And right. if you don't do what you need to do to stay, then shame on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you're looking at how many guys are there, 90, right? Um, or is it 80? 80. It's 80, it's 80 it's, plus uh, Plotscom or the Australian okay. running back so you got in the 80 guys program. There. You're going to have your 55-man roster if you need it, right? And then all of a sudden you got your expanded um, practice squad, um, which is now up to, I believe, is it 16? It's 16. So 55 and 16, do the math. You well, know. two of your practice squad guys can be activated for Sunday to make it a 55. It's really 53 yeah, plus 16, so it's 69. If you want it, if you, want 60, it, you right. can have it. Right. So 69 guys can, can stay. There you go. you got 11 guys. <laughs> you know, And there's going to be some transition. There's going to be some guys coming and going and picking up off of other squads and things like that. But you know, in, in a COVID world and the amount of non-preparation that you have, you want guys to stick around because they've been with the program for a while. You know, you don't want to, you know, you get some of these guys that come in and they got to start learning new, new offense, new defense, new special team stuff. So, yeah, shame on you if you don't stick around. Is right, Paul. I mean, you should stick around. You really should. All right, 201-939-4513. We're counting down to the final 10 minutes of the show. Line one, it's Mike from Queens. You're next Hi, on the show. Hello. Hello, Mike. Hi, Mike. All right. Yeah, I was listening to the show yesterday, and I remember um, – I think a caller asked about what they feel about um, X-Men, how many sacks you think he'll get. And he was saying you don't really care about the individual sack number. You want to see him as a team come together? Yes. Okay, so I was wondering, with that being said, how you feel about if uh, we bring back the NASCAR package, Levin Williams, Frackle, Lorenzo, and Golden, and do a NASCAR package and see if everybody could get in and somehow, some way fit um, X-Men in that way. Everybody could get some snaps in instead of taken away from Mike, whatever defensive coordinator Patrick Graham wants to do to get creative and to create some havoc and to, you know, get some pass rush on the field, that's up to him to do. And I'm going to be open to anything right now, although I would warn you of this. If you go too light in the butt in a sub package, despite the speed and despite the potential for getting around the field, Teams will then say, fine, we will punch you in the mouth. They'll run out of a shotgun on third and seven, and they'll run it right down your throats for a first down. So you have to be a little bit careful about overplaying the light butts, if you will. That's what coaches call them, the light butts, in, in a sub package. You can't overdo it. Yeah, I think it's Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I was just saying uh, not, not to make that a, you know, a package where you're running that all the time, just every once in a while. If you if you're getting pressure, just uh, for you know, so everybody gets a snack. 
All right. Depends. Appreciate the Depends. time, Mike. It's a, hey, right. we'll, we'll, we'll pass along the suggestion. Anything that they can do <laughs> to improve the defense is going to be welcome. And I feel like, you know, we, we beat a dead horse with this as far as, you know, day by day, game by game. But I, I, I really think that that is, is really truthful. I think that, that Patrick is going to – he's going to figure out a way to get those guys, whether it's having four of them on the field or just two. I mean, if they can get pressure on the quarterback and those guys can be versatile – one thing that I read about a lot, uh, with Zoe Carter, okay, he, if this is really – I can see it's starting to click with this guy as how he's talking and how he's speaking. It's the fact that, you know, he's being taught that, you know, don't try to do too much, which means don't overthink things. Just be fundamentally sound and be where you're supposed to be and do your job. That's probably the philosophy of the defense this year, right? Because how many times mm-hmm. last year did we find that guys were trying to do too much? They were kind of – you know, they were out of position – which leads to big plays. John and I talked about this the other day. Just not giving up big plays is something that can help this team win. And those are the types of things I like to hear from up-and-coming football players like Zoe Carter. I mean, he's a young guy, right? I mean, he's starting to kind of get it. And you know this, John, and you know this, Paul, that these guys, sometimes it takes three or four years for these guys to get to the point where they're starting to understand and the game slows down. Maybe that's what it is with Carter this year. Maybe that's what it is with X-Men. And I think if those guys can kind of learn a little bit what Patrick Graham is telling them, maybe they can have an impactful year. I hope so. The do-your-job line effectively used <laughs> yes, up in New England go. for many years to but win it's a bunch so of good. games and rings, and Judge and Graham both have experience in that program. Fine. So. But you know what? If you want to take it from, from Bill Belichick, that's fine. But it's a, it's a great term, and mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. Do your job. Go home, study. If that's what your job is, do your job. Show up on Sunday, do your job. Go out to practice, do what you're supposed to do, do your job. If all 53 guys do their job and all the 20 coaches or however many are there, they do their jobs, things will get good. But when you start to improvise and when you start to do things on your own, uh, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. And, you know, you got to have 11 guys in that field doing the same thing. And if one guy or two guys are trying out there to, to do something that they're not supposed to, that's where the big plays come in. That's where mental breakdowns start, and that's where other teams capitalize on your mistakes. We're kind of running out of time on the show, so we go back to line three. John from New Haven is next on the program. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, how you doing? I was just wondering if you could speak a little more on the leadership that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have brought to the team, even though they're so young. Mm-hmm. Good question. I mean, I think a lot of people are asking about that, right? I mean, you – automatically assume that those two guys are going to be your leaders just because of the positions that they play and the notoriety that they that they have. Um, I think that Saquon has probably taken over that as far as the number one guy when you talk about a spokesman for the team. And, Paul, you could disagree or agree with me, but I think he's kind of the guy. Mm-hmm. But I think that slowly, as Daniel Jones takes hold of this team, I think eventually he will be the guy like Eli. And I feel like as soon as he can get – um, a lot of confidence from the guys around him by playing well and doing things. That, I, listen, I think that he's already done a lot of stuff coming into camp. Guys are impressed with what he did in the offseason. He bulked up. He looks good. He looks cut. He looks awesome. You know, he's throwing the ball good. But that all is fine and dandy. But, you know, you got to start to go out there and, and really put that to the test. And if he can do that, he'll be the leader. Yeah, do you think that he'll be more of the Eli manning F type where he's Leads by example, not so much as vocal, or at least from a, from a fan standpoint, what we see. I know. What do you think, Paul? I suggest that he probably will be more like Eli than not, but we've also heard that uh, during his rookie season, he yeah. did get rather vocal and I, did I drop a few, uh, shall we say, acidic words <laughs> to, to, yeah. to his yeah. teammates a few times. <laughs> I think he's got a little bit more of that than Eli does. I think he's got a little bit more in him when it comes in that category as far as, you know, really getting busting on some guys, and that's good. That's good. No, I love, I love seeing that. I feel like those two will be um, really good together leading the offense, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the call. We appreciate it. And you know what? You talk yeah. about a leadership, and it's a good question because, you know, where does leadership come from? And you, you hope as a coach – and from, a, from an organization that you have leadership at every position. And when you slowly go down the roster and try to figure out where they're at, I mean, you're pretty close. I mean, I, I would say that the wide receiver position, you've got, um, you know, you got Golden Tate as probably being the one leader, and Sterling has certainly been here the longest. And 
go down the roster and see where those leaders are at each position. You hope you have at least one that can really do well at their position group. We will squeeze in Scott from New Mexico on line number two. You're next Hi, on the show. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I may be the only guy that thinks that besides the quarterback, the most important position on an offense is the tight end today in the modern NFL. And you just have to look at the teams like Kelsey, uh, Kittle, Kirst on Baltimore, uh, you name it, and Jared Cook. Uh, Every team that scores has a great tight end. Of course, Gronkowski is going to be coming back. Just stay in the division. Go down those ones. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is just, obviously, even Jason Witten, when he came back, Mm -hmm. was still maybe not as great as he was, but he was still effective. And so in in a modern offense, what I'm really worried about, obviously I count Evan Ingram in that offense because he is probably the fastest receiver the Giants have. Plus he can create a lot of havoc in so many different areas. What I'm concerned about, and I know you discussed it before, Paul, in, in what they can do if he should go down, but is there anything else that the Giants can do to cover somebody like that? Because I don't think you can win without a great tight end anymore in the NFL. Uh, it just doesn't work based on uh, on just looking at who the tight ends are in the NFL and what kind of havoc they cause. So is there something Joe Judge can do to protect Evan Ingram so that maybe he's not taking all the hits? I know it sounds kind of crazy, but we have to keep him on the field. Can't do it, Scott. And, Can't do uh, it. Right. There's no way. There's no way. You can't wrap him in bubble wrap. It just there's some work. way to protect him. No, there's really nothing you can do, Scott. He's got he to go out protect there and himself. play free. I mean, I mean, right. That's all there is to it. And I will yeah. tell you, Joe Judge, he looks a little more. Uh, Ingram looks a little more svelte to me than than he did last year. Uh, he has he has been very very active during the first few practices of the camp. And Judge did say today that he loves watching Ingram practice, and he sometimes breaks his chops and says, "Don't disappoint me today." Because that's how much he enjoys watching 88. And I and have that if you want to, Paul. Do you want to hear it? Why not? Play it. Here it is. Well, I'll tell you what. The way he works every day and the attention to detail he's shown, everything he's coached on, to me it's always a question of can this guy reach his potential based on the way he's working. And I think this guy can. You know, now at what, you know, what time this guy's got a high ceiling. He's very, very talented. A lot of guys have a lot of talent and aren't as open to coaching. What I see from Evan is he's very in tune. He's very intelligent. He's very deliberate about how he works and what he's focusing on within each period. He listens to everything you say, and he tries to apply every technique as detailed as he can, and that's critically important. Um, I'm very pleased with him. I'm very excited to work with him, Jordan. Uh, He's a guy that I'll tell you what, I saw him early in the process. When I first took the job, he was still around here rehabbing a little bit. And, uh, you know, Obviously, we lost physical contact with the players through the pandemic separation. But he's a guy that showed up from that time off really in great shape, put on some good weight. He came in ready to really train. We talked earlier in the interviews about the difference in being in shape and training, and he came in ready to train. You watch the way this guy runs through conditioning through the day. He's got a high motor. He's got a, you know, a large gas tank to keep pushing through the day. And I'm really, really pleased with coming to work every day. I mean, he's one of them guys – Look, one of the comments I get him, I get a lot of insight this, but he's a guy that I just kind of tell him constantly, man, I love watching practice. Like, let's not disappoint me out there today. I'm excited to turn his tape on and see you flying around because he's a fun guy to watch play because he has a lot of ability, but he loves the game too. Now, I don't know if he's put on any weight or not, as the coach has suggested, but I will tell you this. There's not even one pinch of body fat on him. Much like Saquon Barkley, this guy looks like he was cut out of stone. Ingram yeah. has sculpted his physique to the nth degree. And, look, maybe that's the thing that he needed to do, Scott, although injuries can be so fluky. I, I don't want to necessarily say that that will prevent any more injury. Hey, real quickly, too. You know, everybody wants to compare Joe Judge to, to Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. That is no comparison right there. You don't hear any of that out of those two coaches. I mean, no, that don't. is some strict praise right there. You never hear that type of praise out of those two other coaches, which is kind of nice to hear because you talk about how rough and tough he is, but he's given kudos to guys that are working hard, and I like to see that. 
without question. Jeff, it has been another fun hour doing BBK. Thank with you, Paul. You. Thank Show you, John. Show is always here Monday to Friday from 2 p.m. Eastern time. We talk one hour of Giants football. Don't forget, folks, you can always hit him up at Jay Fiegels on Twitter. I am at GiantsWFAN. You can go to the mailbag, Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. You can go to Twitter, hashtag Giants chat. So many ways to communicate with us here at the facility. Our number is 201-939-4513. And then finally, don't forget to tune in later to the Giants social networks. Of course, Giants.com for inside look at training camp presented by Quest Diagnostics. I will bring you a half hour of practice action from this morning's workout with two-time Super Bowl champion David Deal. Until next time, so long, everybody.